John likes tech and lives in Indiana, you know Kevin likes the Dodgers and talks on the radio John plays games on Xbox and on his Nintendo While Kevin runs around LA with his mustachio It's the Lack of Genius Podcast In your ear holes at last They don't know they're Mars from Venus That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast John! Hey Kevin! Episode 12! Yep! Time is flying by, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, the, the, we've been doing this for a quarter of a year now. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, or 2.5% of a, a decade. I'm always going to come to you for any percentages of decade <laughs> knowledge. You're going to be my guy for that. Yeah, that's great. Episode 12, we're rolling right along. And we, you know, we mentioned last week how we haven't, we've been struggling with the timeliness of things. And this is hopefully our last example of that. At least for the next couple weeks. For the next couple weeks, yeah, because we are, we, we have a calendar with episodes planned out ahead. It's like we're a professional podcast oiled machine, as they say, <laughs> as the popular saying goes. Um, but we're doing a Labor Day episode. We are. Despite I, the fact that we're currently recording a day before Labor Day, and when this episode comes out, Labor Day will be four days in the past. <laughs> true, but depending on, I mean, if you go to church, depending on the church you go to, mm-hmm. some churches actually do a Labor Day thing the Sunday after. And you know this because you're our expert on Labor Day. I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I, I've done some reading. <laughs> I would say Labor Day isn't, uh, let's call it the sexiest of holidays, right? It's not exactly, it's not a 4th of July. It's not a Christmas. And I think it has something to do with maybe because school goes back into session mm-hmm. around this time and that's kind of dreary. But I'm hoping that today's episode, my goal is that we give you a new spin on Labor Day. Yeah, hopefully. So. I'm, I'm putting pressure on you. No, I because here's how this is going to work is John has a quiz prepared for us. I haven't read the questions yet, but about Labor Day in general. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Whereas what the, the angle that I'm taking is I am focusing on what I did for labor for the majority of my life, at least all my adult life, and that is working in the field of radio. So I have a quiz prepared about radio in general. Yeah, I mean, I will say there is one question on my quiz about me. So. Okay, good, good. They're all of mine are about me. So no, that's not true. I think I think there's only one question about me. I you know what? I think look, I think you and I are are good, good, humble. We're modest human beings. Um, yeah. but I think people like to hear a little bit of us sprinkled in. So I'm gonna approve of your your question <laughs> about yourself. I think people will appreciate that. They want to get to know John. If if that's what they want, then that's what we'll provide. Exactly. And and look, if I'm wrong, then we'll tidy this up next week because we'll get corrected by someone saying we could care less about you. Shut up, Kevin. You know? <laughs> cool, man. Well, you know, I say we just get this episode moving along. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Let's get into our tidy up section here. Sounds good. Tidy up before we go, go any further with the show show. Tidy up before we go, go fix our mistakes tonight. I want to get it right. Tidy up. Okay, uh, so tidy up is where we clean things up from the previous episode, right? Yep, or announce the, you know, news type of stuff. Yes, we're, we're basically keeping everything nice and orderly. We're tidying yeah. them up. And um, we didn't get called out on anything specifically for last episode, and I didn't come prepared with anything. So I'm not actually cleaning anything up, but we do have exciting news, right? We do. That we got two new patrons in the last week. We did. 
because we are on Patreon. Just search Lack of Genius. And, you know, this is just to cover basic expenses. You know, we pay for services to post our webs, to post mm-hmm. our podcasts, website fees, things like that. And so shout out to Catherine Beach. She's a good friend of mine. And I've known her for many, many years. And she signed up. We shouted her out last week because she gave us a nice review. We're very grateful for her patronage. So thank you, Catherine. And then Janet Ober-Lambert mm-hmm. uh, sent a, also became a patron. And... Um, Oh, I love this because I was I'm literally reading this message from her right now because so last week, you know, we were mentioning about British stuff and Janet is married to a British man, a tried and true British man. And so I was hoping she she wrote us back on on uh, Patreon because I always uh, we always send out a little thank you message to any of our patrons and she said, Simon and I are both enjoying the podcast and the patronage is from both of us. That's very nice. Look out for Simon's response from a, quote, real British person. So hopefully we'll get something from him in the coming weeks to correct our, at least my terrible knowledge of British culture. But um, yeah, Janet, Simon, thank you for signing up and becoming mm-hmm. one of our patrons. We we appreciate yes. appreciate you patronizing us. <laughs> well, uh, anything else you wanted to add there, John? Well, actually, I do have a tidy up. I just thought about it. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. You know, last week, uh, Kevin had mentioned uh, that he has a Ninja Turtle poster in his closet. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and I think we'd said something about we'd put a poll out for it on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I did. And beside, I, there may have been one other person besides me that said you should you know, take it out of the closet, but everyone else said you should keep it in the closet. That's amazing. Yeah, I posted a video. Uh, it was, I opened up my closet door. I showed the Ninja Turtle poster. And the question was, should I keep this in my closet or should I put it on the giant empty wall space in my living area? And most people said, keep that thing in the closet. And I don't, my theory on that is that they agreed not with the fact that Ninja, that I shouldn't be proud of being a Ninja Turtle fan. I think I, I would guess there are a lot of Ninja Turtle fans, but just that being a being a 36 year old man, maybe maybe a Ninja Turtle poster isn't the best thing to walk into. And it's very cartoony. It's very bright. It would be like the first thing you'd see when you walked. I don't know. What do you, what's your take on it, John? I mean, I didn't go for it. But. <laughs> you say put that thing on my wall. Yeah, you do. You. Yeah. That thing literally was in my childhood bedroom my entire life on display. <laughs> so I've been looking at that thing for, you know, before I moved out for 18 years. And then when I moved home for a little and when I when I moved out, I was like, OK, I got to take this. In fact, I was very close to getting rid of it altogether. And so the mere fact that it's in my closet is is an accomplishment, I would say. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see where the motivation falls in the coming weeks. But according to our listeners, it's staying in the closet. Thank you for your participation. It's time to take a quiz or two. Lack of Genius Podcast doing this for you. You may fail, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. Don't really want this quiz to be tough. I just want to pass one because I failed enough. Indeed, John. Quiz time and G. Indeed. So we are, because we're doing a Labor Day episode and my questions have to do with with radio, um, we're going to just get the Labor Day theme going right off the bat and have you ask the first question. Sounds good. But And by the way, yes, as I always say, uh, lackofgenius.com has these questions posted if you want to take the quiz along with us or take it beforehand and see how you do and then listen to how we did. So there yep. you go. You ready? Yeah, uh, bring it on. When did Labor Day become a federal holiday? Wow. 1887, mm-hmm. 
so there's there's probably some logic that I could and should use here, like according to what was going on in the world at that time and what, you know, what was hit. But like history is not my jam, as the kids say. <laughs> and I just have no idea. I'll tell you that the year 1942 pops out to me. If I'm not mistaken, that would have been right around World War II time. Mm hmm. And the reason that that seems significant to me is that I know there was a lot of push for like laboring back home. So I'm going to say 1942 just because that's when the rah, rah, rah of labor, I think, was becoming a thing. So I'm going to lock in 1942. Incorrect. It's actually 1894. Wow. It was the old one. Well, second oldest one. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that, John. Um, think labor movements, unions, uh, and that was all happening in the 1800s. It was in the 1920s with the Great Depression and everything as well, mm -hmm. but the progression of technology and factories and everything, that's really where the rise of unions came from. And so Labor Day was became a federal holiday to kind of create some camaraderie around, and it was, yeah, so that was kind of the idea behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And 1942 was the first year that Thanksgiving was a federal holiday. See, I knew that one. Everyone knows. No, I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, everybody knows that 1942 was the year that the pilgrims and the Native Americans got together for their feast. So that's that makes sense, too, why that would become the <laughs> national holiday for Thanksgiving. OK, Kevin, we've had enough of you already. All right, John, Labor Day question one is in the book and I'm off to a great. I'm already doing worse than last week after one question where I where I just will drop in a subtle a subtle flex of I got five for five last week. Now yeah. I'm over one. Let's uh, let's get you going on radio here. Which sport was the very first to be broadcast over the radio? Was it boxing, baseball, football, or ultimate frisbee? So I feel like you put ultimate frisbee in as kind of a tease for next week. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. We're teasing our tease that we're going to do at the end of this episode. But yeah, mm -hmm. ultimate frisbee will make its way in there. Um, but I also put it in because it very well could be the first sport that was broadcast. Over I, the radio. I, I'm saying no to that. <laughs> um, football, I assume you're talking about American football. Yes, um, I am. Yeah. Which granted, you know, did just have, I believe, their 100th season, but radio goes well before that. So that narrows it down to boxing and baseball. Both, okay. you know, baseball is an incredibly old sport. Same with boxing. I know boxing used to be a much bigger thing than it is now. It's still big in some communities now, but not like it used to be. Baseball is America's pastime. I'm going to have to go with baseball. Are you locking in baseball, John? Yep. That is incorrect. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted it to be baseball too. And in fact, when I wrote this question, before I actually did the research, I was like, oh yeah, it's baseball. I know that. <laughs> Turns out it is boxing. Boxing beat baseball by a few months. Now, the the station was a station in Pittsburgh, KDKA. And this was like a, this is, they were the tone setters for broadcasting sports. So in 1921, April 11th, 1921, it was a match between Johnny Dundee and Johnny Ray. And uh, it was a 10 round, no decision match. And yeah, that was the first hmm. sporting event to be broadcast. And then August 5th would have been the first baseball game. And because again, it was Pittsburgh, this was the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Philadelphia Phillies. I always thought that that was the first one. And I, I knew just from my education, and I mm -hmm. literally have a degree in broadcasting. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I remember learning about KDKA and I thought for sure it was this Pirates game, but that's incorrect. And then a few months later in October of 1921, there 
was a college football game, University of Pittsburgh versus uh, they won over West Virginia. So that was sort of the order of sports. Now, I do have this crazy fact that doesn't have to do with radio, but does have to do with broadcast. I was like, huh, I wonder what the first, well, I was wondering what the first radio football game was, but what I ended up finding out was the first NFL game to be broadcast on television. I just randomly came across this fact because it said it was between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I was like, okay, that's clearly a mistake. Like they Wikipedia, <laughs> I click on Brooklyn Dodgers. There was an NFL team mm-hmm. called the Brooklyn Dodgers that I had no, did you know this, John? It seems vaguely familiar. It sort of reminds me of how you said that, that Muncie had mm-hmm. a professional football team. It's like, I, I have so little knowledge of the NFL and its history. Brooklyn Dodgers existed for, well, let's see, what was it? About 13 years. And then they became the Brooklyn Tigers and then they left the NFL and went to a different football league. And that's why we've never heard of them since. But man, I can't tell you how bad I want a Brooklyn Dodgers football t-shirt now. <laughs> that's my new, that's my next goal in life. Well, speaking of wearing things, uh-huh. what are you supposed to stop wearing after Labor Day? What a transition, John. First of all, what a transition. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What are my choices? White. Uh-huh. sandals, mm-hmm. shorts, or big <laughs> floppy hats. The, my rule of thumb is never stop wearing big floppy hats. Those are always in season. And I know they're especially in season during the Kentucky Derby. Sandals are sandals are year round uh, for a lot of people, um, especially here in Southern California. We call them chanclas down here. And that's a Spanish word for sandals. Um, shorts in elementary school, middle school, and I think even, even into high school, shorts every day of the year. Literally, I never wore jeans. I didn't owe a pair of long pants until I got to college. I mean, some of us did that here in the Midwest. Well, yeah, see, that was way more baller because it was snowing and cold <laughs> out and you were rocking those shorts, right? It wasn't that big a deal that I was wearing shorts when it was 65 degrees out and that was a cold day, you know? I don't know the reason behind it, but I know the answer to this is white. You're not, you're, you're supposed to stop wearing white after Labor Day. That's my final answer. Correct. So Labor Day is normally seen as the unofficial end of summer. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of because of what you talked about earlier, you know, kids are going back to school and, you know, a bunch of things like that. And a lot of time, you know, this this is kind of the the upper class, you know, they go to the island or, you know, they're, they're shoreside cottages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was on the lake or the ocean and, you know, they tended to wear white linen clothing because it's a lot cooler than, yeah, you know, sense. wool and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so when the summer was done then they came back to the city or whatnot, they didn't wear the white anymore. And so the unofficial rule in fashion is it's not acceptable to wear white after Labor Day. That's very practical. It's very mm-hmm. practical. Yeah, that makes total sense. So if uh, if you're listening to this right now, and it's definitely after Labor Day when you're listening to this, I want you to look down at yourself. And if you have anything white on, I want you to judge yourself. Well, I want it, you to judge yourself hard. <laughs> and, and there's actually another type of clothing that you're not supposed to wear as well. And that's oh. seersucker, which I had heard of it, but didn't couldn't have told you what it was. It's a type of clothing that's woven in an interesting way. It's normally like you see that like blue and white pinstripes. OK, but yeah. it's it's woven in a way to where it kind of bunches it up. And so oh, I guess yeah. that's supposed to be a, a cooler type of fabric. Yes, I'm seeing it as there's bathing suit like modern day. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing like bathing suits and shit, but there's also like nice men's suits. I really want one. Oh, right. my gosh. So it, it's it, it's not just the pinstripe but it's an actual type of fabric and it's it's kind of puckered up and it actually the seersucker comes from persian uh some a couple persian words (laughs) 
<laughs> John dropped his mic. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to look out for. I was waiting. I was, it didn't happen last week. It didn't happen this week. Okay. Carry on, John. You were saying? But it, it comes from a couple of Persian words, uh, sheer and shikar, uh, which means milk and sugar. So milk is creamy and soft and sugar <laughs> is rough. And so that kind of the fabric mimics that. Did, because part I, of it's soft and part of it's puckered up. And so it, you know, reminded people of sugar. The last thing I was expecting in this episode was to learn something new about a fabric, about seersucker. I've never even heard that word before. And yes, it's one word. It's mm-hmm. not a hyphenated word. It's one word. That's fascinating, John. So uh, listener, you're listening to this after Labor Day. I want you to look down at yourself. And if you're wearing seersucker right now, I want you to judge yourself. And I want you to judge yourself hard for breaking those rules. Uh, you ready for number two on radio here? I am. Okay. Who is most commonly credited as being the inventor of radio. Nikola Tesla, Guglielmo Marconi, Abner Doubleday, or Jonathan P. Radio? As much as I'd love it for it to be Tesla, Nikola Tesla, only because I, I believe him to be completely underrated as an inventor. And I think Edison is horrible for what he did to Tesla. Oh, that might be a story for, for later. Yeah, Um and I'm pretty sure you just made up Jonathan P. Radio. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, if we were talking about TV, I would say it's Farnsworth, which is an actual person. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe it was Farnsworth. But I'm going to have to go with Marconi. Locking in Guglielmo Marconi. Mm-hmm. That is correct, John. Nice job. Do, do, you, do you know the other name on that list, Abner Doubleday? Uh, it seems familiar, but I couldn't tell you he is said to be the inventor of baseball now this is a fact i literally just learned this week i got schooled hard when somebody uh was accusing i had all this dodger gear on and they mentioned the name abner doubleday because they were complimenting my mustache and i guess abner doubleday had him <laughs> and, and i was like i don't know who that is and he gave me this look of like <laughs> you you like almost like give me all your baseball stuff so abner doubleday is cre- is is like mythically credited for inventing baseball, but uh, but historians are saying that that's not actually the case. Anyways, part of the reason I bring that up is A, to share that story, and B, because Marconi is kind of in that same realm where right. he's credited as inventing it, and, and it's way less of a myth. He very much like has the patents and and was the first to successfully send various radio signals over various distances. But here's what you may end up hating this Marconi fellow if you hate Edison, because Mm -hmm. he used a lot of Tesla parts to build his his various technology. Now, Tesla had patents on the various coils and whatnots, but if you do a Google search on this, you'll see like, did Marconi steal the radio from Tesla? And so there's a lot of controversy around that. I Mm -hmm. believe Marconi was much more um, legit about the way he went about doing it. So so you're saying he didn't kill any elephants to- Yes, is that that what Edison did? Oh yeah, to try to disprove uh, Tesla's, like making people think Tesla's stuff was gonna hurt people and stuff. He electrocuted an elephant wait because he was using like tesla's technology to do that or what do you you mean so tesla was doing um dc direct current and edison was going for alternating current ac ac you're right exactly and Mm -hmm. dc can you know electrocute and kill you oh you know AC can as well, if memory serves, if I remember my physics. But, you know, in the PR war, Edison was king of PR. He got together the press and electrocuted an elephant to prove that Tesla stuff could kill people. 
that's pretty that's pretty terrible. Marconi yeah. killed no elephant. Here's what I want you to do if you're listening to this right now. I want you to look down at what you're wearing. And if you're wearing a Thomas Edison shirt, I want you to judge yourself. And I want you to judge yourself. That's pretty terrible. Uh, Marconi, as far as I know, killed no elephants. And he is, he is considered the father of radio. In fact, one of the biggest awards given out, it's basically like the Emmys of, uh, of radio. It's called the Marconi Awards. Mm-hmm. And I'll do a humble brag that the station I work for, K-Earth 101, won... Uh, won the Marconi for uh, best classic hit station a couple years back. It was like the first year I was working there. So like, I didn't have anything to do with it really. I mean, I guess technically I was there, but I have a picture of me holding a Marconi and everything. It's like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Even though I did very little to earn that. Well, I mean, you had a a question about what was the first sporting event held. Mm -hmm. I have a question about actually it's a true or false. Okay. Yes. It was a true or false. New York was the first state to make Labor Day a holiday. Interesting. Okay, so we already know that Labor Day became a federal holiday in 1894, I believe it was. Right. So this would have been before that, you know, as a state holiday. See, now New York definitely my 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 inclination would be to choose true because New York is a, a trendsetter and a yeah, especially in those t- anytime. Um mm-hmm. I'm deciding whether I want to try to use any loose logic that I may have. <laughs> I <laughs> See, now this wasn't necessarily about labor. For some reason the the novel by Upton Sinclair, The Jungle, Jungle mm-hmm. is coming to mind because I know that had a lot to do with the way the food industry was was handled. And I don't know if that would affect Labor Day. And I believe, see that this, everything is very loose on this. I believe that was in Chicago, which was Illinois, but I could, I, it could be everywhere that they, he was covering. <laughs> so I, here's, here's the thing. I'm going to choose true. Give me a second. I'm going to choose true on New York because I, because I feel like my knowledge of, of all the stuff I'm rambling off right now is too loose. But if it ends up being false and I was right on all that, then I'm going to just take the credit of, you know what, at least my thought process was right, but I chose the wrong answer. So I'm locking in true that New York was the first to make Labor Day a holiday. Incorrect. <laughs> in fact, a lot of what you're saying is fairly true. Okay. New York City was the first place in the U.S. to hold a Labor Day parade. Okay, cool. And and I actually put New York because New York has a, especially New York City, okay. has a strong t- tradition of unions and everything like that. Uh-huh. So I, I didn't necessarily make this a trick question, but okay. I get your logic. Yeah. In yeah. fact, the first state was Oregon. Oh, wow. I would that I would not have picked a West Coast state. And they did that in 1887. Okay, got it. And Oregon was was a state by then. Yeah, I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have become a state in the 1900s. So yeah, okay. Oh my gosh. And is that just, I mean, Oregon, look, today is a very progressive and liberal and forward thinking state. Have they always been that? Do you think that had anything to do with that? I mean, it's possible. But again, mm-hmm. I mean, Labor Day really came from the unions and everything. There is a lot of industry in the Northwest. And so I, I got to think that that was part of, you know, the fishing and the logging industry, you know. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I also noticed that you being from the Midwest, you pronounced Oregon like I do Oregon. Have you ever heard anyone pronounce that state any different? Maybe just more, you know, just putting the emphasis on a different syllable. You know? Go, yes, gone. Oregon. Oregon is the one I hear from East Coasters all yeah. the time. I think that's it. I think it's the East Coast thing. But um, Wow. Great question. I love that. Well, you did a true or false, so I'll give you my one true or false question on here. True or false, the FCC has a list of seven words that can't be said over radio airwaves. Is that true or false? The seven deadly words is true. Yes. Seven yeah. dirty words. Yeah, yes. seven dirty words. Yes, I, 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 that's true. So you're locking in your answer. I'm, I'm locking it in. That is incorrect, John. Ah! 
it's you're, you're right about the seven words, yes, but it, it's that's actually a myth. So first of all, here's what I'd like to say. I'm gonna say some of these words here in a minute. I will bleep them out so you will hear no actual cuss words because some of these cuss words are pretty severe. This is a podcast, we are allowed to say bad words, but just to clean it up, I'm gonna bleep any of them out. But if you have sensitive ears, if you have children listening, just fast forward maybe maybe four or five minutes, you know, and, and we'll be done talking about this. Yes, George Carlin did a stand-up routine, right? Mm-hmm. It was called The Seven Dirty Words. And the initial one was seven words you can never say on television. And um, you know what? I'm just going to say those words now. Let's just get them out of the way. Those words are, <laughs> I can't even do it. Okay. Now I realize that you listening pretty much heard none of those. So just to kind of give you a brief, I'm going to do this very maturely. Okay. So the first word is which is it's the S word and it's a, it's another word for poo poo. The second word, which I never really consider a bad word is, is and that is just another word for urinating. Okay. Another word for urinating that starts with a P. Um, the next one is, is the F word. Everybody knows the F word. I don't need to repeat it. The next one is a word that I do not like saying it's the C word. It's a word for a, uh, a female, uh, reproductive organ, but you would, you would call somebody this. It's a, ter- it's like the worst word, right? Unless you live outside of the U S and then it's not that bad. Is that right? Is that yeah. true? Yeah. It, it, it's mainly just in the U S the, the C word is very offensive. That's very interesting. And you know what? So when I met you, uh, John, I went to school in Indiana because I was I was dating a lovely young woman there. And she introduced a book to me called and the whole idea behind it was it was written from a female perspective about reclaiming that word, mm-hmm. about not having it be a derogatory word. And it was a really powerful, formative book for me to read. So I'd recommend it. Go go look up the C word uh, book and and you'll find you'll probably find a very uh, enlightening book. The next word is which is um, this is a uh, a sexual act that you may perform on a male. Um, and it's what you would be called in a derogatory way if you were performing that act. Next one is mother. I, I'm not going to bleep out the mother part. So I think you can probably put together what the next part was. And the last word is which is um, this is another word for breasts. OK, it's not boobs. It's the, it's a it's a word that starts with T. Um, so there we go. So I hope I hope that was as much fun to listen to as it was to say. Now, here's the here's the historical part behind it is that George Carlin said these are the seven words that you cannot say. There was a rebroadcast of this monologue on a radio station that ended up being a, a whole Supreme Court decision. What ultimately ended up being decided from it was that because this aired at like 2 p.m. in the Midwest and a guy was driving in a car with his kid, he felt that this was inappropriate. So what the FCC ended up deciding as a result of this case was that there's what's called a safe harbor time. So between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., technically radio stations can air, that's called safe harbor, they can air indecent material just not obscene material. So during those hours, you could get away with saying several of those words, so long as you're not using them in an obscene way or using them repeatedly or offensively. But between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. on any radio station that has to have an FCC license, you cannot broadcast any indecent material. And 
the FCC does not actually have a list of words that you can't say. It's essentially a case-by-case basis. But I'll tell you right now, if you said any of those words that I just reviewed, you're you're going to get dinged for indecent material, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I, yes. I was kind of reading up on that as you were talking about it too. And I'll say this, as having worked in radio for many years now, every station Every company has a different set of rule. Most companies, especially big companies, will err on the side of caution and say, just don't say any of these words. Don't mention any of these things. I mean, when we were at Manchester, I know the radio station had that as well. Like that was the like in the very first meeting of the year, you know, it was always went over, you know, yep. the words you can't use. And there was and they probably use these seven words and then some. Oh, yeah. There was one night where uh, Jesse and I, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Reed, we were doing yep. our show. And we were doing a cover night where okay. we'd play a cover and then the song that like the original song. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we did Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. Okay. Yes. And then cover. played the original Nine Inch Nails version, completely forgetting the lyrics, you know, yep. that Johnny Cash's was clean. Nine Inch yep. Nails wasn't. Yep. So then we had to go to the log and write it down. And yeah, you had to mark it down because if here's here's the way it works. The FCC is not listening to every radio broadcast in the world. So they're not going to hear the F word said and then be like, oh, we, we got to see we got to find them. It's if they get complaints from listeners, if the listener, if a listener calls in. So if if an expletive is said on the air, it's best to just report it to your higher up if you're working in radio just to have your ass covered in case mm-hmm. you get, uh, you know, called out by it. And it sounds like you're going to have a fun time editing this week. I was going to say, man, this is going to be a freaking bald edit. And I use the word freaking so I don't have to edit that one out. So there you go. There's our, we're done talking about bad words. Oh, oh, no, we're not. In fact, I have one more fun fact that I want to share about this is there's a Blink-182 song called Family Reunion that is literally 30 seconds long and uses these seven words. Literally, it's just (laughs) these seven words by George Carlin. I highly recommend listening to Family Reunion by Blink-182. John, the floor is yours. Well, I, I also highly recommend listening to George Carlin as well. Yes, listen to that routine. Yeah. Yeah, or, or any of his other stuff as well. Yeah, he's a gift. He's a gift yes. to our nation. Very much so. <sighs> Thank you for letting me get all that out. We're done cussing now. <laughs> Why is Labor Day celebrated? To honor the armed forces, <laughs> to hold one last barbecue, recognize the American labor movement, or recognize the importance of capitalism in our society. Great choices, man. I mean, technically, I mean, technically to hold one last barbecue could be true. I mean, let's face it. Um, I'm guessing that's not the intended reason behind it. I would guess that a lot of people think it is to honor the armed forces. And I would guess that that probably drives you crazy because I don't think that that has anything to do with Labor Day. I'm between recognize the American labor movement and recognize the importance of capitalism in our society, which both could be true. Labor brings in money, which we are a capitalist society. But I'm, t- I'm very tempted, and I think I'm going to choose to recognize the American labor movement, which I almost think you might have said earlier by accident, but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, we'll get to, we'll get to the bottom of that. I'm going to lock it in. Recognize the American labor movement. Correct. And, and I've had to be very careful with what I said up until So maybe now. you didn't say those exact words, but yeah. Right. Perhaps I should have made this be the first question. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But no, it is to recognize the American labor movement. Okay. Do you get paid time off, Kevin? I don't personally. 
No, I, no. because I'm a, because I'm part time at both of my jobs at equal okay. full time jobs. So yeah, I work every. I've always worked Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working both of my jobs on Labor Day. By the way. Well, okay. So if you worked, you know, a normal job, one, how how many hours would that be a week? Forty. Forty, and you would get paid time off, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. PTO, uh, as they call it in the business. Yeah, PTO or vacation time. Uh-huh. You know. VO is VT. Is yeah. They don't call it that, do they? No. Well, I, I actually have something called VTO, but that's volunteer time off. So if I'm going to, you know, do Habitat for Humanity for two days, I can actually get paid to do that. I love that. I think yeah. everyone should have something like that. That's great. But you can think, you know, the 40 hour work week, you know, getting paid overtime, uh, paid time off, things like that you can thank the labor movement because before that it was, you worked seven days a week, more than 40 hours, kids as young as like, you know, eight or 10 are working and the working class was like, that's not right. Yeah. We're human beings. We need time off. We need rest. And so, you know, unions were starting to be formed. You can say what you want about unions now. Mm -hmm. I think some unions are still good. Some, you know, are a little too big for their britches. But in general, unions are a very good thing. They allow for the collective voice to be heard. Yes, it was unions and labor movements that started the Labor Day holiday. But I think it says something that the federal government said, "Okay, this should be a holiday. Yeah, it was before, you know, socialism and everything was seen as bad because unions are somewhat of a communist and or socialist thing. And that's kind of why, you know, unions are kind of seen as a bad thing now is because of that tie to, you know, it allows for the better for the collective than just individual people. And yes, armed forces are a part of that labor. I mean, they are, they, they work. I mean, everyone is a part of the labor in society. You know, if you have a job or even if you're just, you know, you're a stay at home dad or stay at home mom, you know, you're still laboring. You don't have to take care of your kid that day. You just let them fend for themselves. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it it does, I mean, you kind of, you kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this question it does kind of annoy me that labor day gets wrapped into the well we should celebrate the military and and that's not really what this is for you know it's not to recognize the people that are in the army or the air force or anything like that yes you know like i said they're they they work but they also have there's memorial day for those who have died veterans day for those that have served or are serving. Yeah, and it is interesting too, because like, again, this is not to say that the military shouldn't be celebrated. They have the two holidays, but you know, 4th of July ends up becoming kind of a day that we celebrate the military as well. And so it's funny that Labor Day is just a day that celebrates anyone who works, including the military. So yes, we're celebrating the military, but we're also celebrating uh, janitors everywhere. And we're celebrating Mm -hmm. teachers and we're celebrating IT people and people who work in radio and, you know, all of the above. And service workers, people that work at McDonald's or, you know, the the trash guys. They deserve their day off from going around and picking up our trash. And ironically, the ones that deserve this the most are the ones that are still working that day. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're exactly right. There are a lot of people who have to work multiple jobs these days and just cannot afford to take Labor Day off. And so it's almost like, okay, well now, it's almost like we need another, we need something else now for right. those who are having to, it's, it's almost lost its purpose. I think I, I don't know, man. Labor Day is interesting to me because, like I mm-hmm. said, I, working in radio, I'm I don't think I've had a Labor Day off in 15 years. A Labor Day, it's always like people get excited about a three day weekend. I'm like, what? This is the busiest <laughs> weekend of my year, like work wise. So, right. yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm happy to work. Look, I get I get paid on Labor Day, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm down for that, man. Um, all right, so where are we at? Let's see. I just went two for four, I think. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'm one for three. You're one for three, and we're about to ask you number four. Here mm -hmm. we go. Let's see how you do. See if you can tie it up. Which radio format has the most stations in the United States? Uh, is it country, news and talk, top 40, or Spanish? So the first question I have, is this including AM stations? Yes. Uh-huh. So to okay. clarify that, like radio format is like every radio station has a format. So if you're listening to like here, uh, K-Rock is a big station here. That's an alternative rock station. You know, uh, if you're listening to an AM news station, that is a news or talk station. Yeah. So every, every station has a format. So that does include AM. Yes. I'm going to go with news and talk. Okay. Because I, I'm thinking about all the NPR stations. You've got all of the, the ESPN sports affiliate and, you know, the other sports stations. You know, I would assume that's considered news talk. Let me double check. You know, sports is its own category. Okay. So sports is its own category. Yeah. Is, is NPR considered news? Dash yes. Talk? NPR would be news and talk. Yeah. Well, then maybe that changes my answer. Yeah. That is good logic. That's very good logic. But I didn't want to, I, I figured I should. You know, I figured I'd give you at least that information. I think I'm going to go with top 40 because I feel like pretty much if there's a city that has a radio station, mm -hmm. there's at least a top 40. Mm, that's good logic. I mean, a good chunk of those probably also have country stations. But I could also see Spanish coming up as having quite a few as well. <laughs> but yeah. I gave you four pretty good choices. You did. You now did. That I'm, I didn't give you an obvious out. I think I'm going to go with top 40. You're going to lock in top 40? Feeling, mm -hmm. feeling ready to lock it in? Yep. Top 40 is incorrect. Oh. Sorry, but I, I did kind of steer you away from news and talk, and that is not number one. It is country. Country is, is the most. So top 40, by the way, in case uh, I, I learned this when I was on air at a top 40 station mm -hmm. that uh, not everybody knows what that is. That's essentially pop would be another word, but it's whatever is the top 40 most popular songs is more right. is more or less what they're, they're, they'll rotate outside of the top 40, but that's it. It's what is popular today. So, you know, um, these days it's a lot of Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, Dua Lipa, you know, Drake, artists like that. Um, I, I once told someone I was on a top 40 station and they were, they thought I was bragging. They were like, oh, look at me. I'm on a top 40 <laughs> station. And I'm, it was funny because like, if you're top 40 in a market of, of like the top 40 stations in a market, that's not really much to brag about. You, you brag about being the top 10 or top five in a market. So right. like it's the top 40 songs and, and anything that's popular and fits that mm -hmm. format. Yeah. Country is number one. As of June of this year, there are 2,200 country stations. The next is, is actually religious. And I'm not talking about like Christian music. I'm talking like religious stations. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think when you're out in the, this is true of country as well. The thing is most, yeah, most major markets have a country station, but all the small markets, every yeah. single one of them, not only has a country station, but probably has multiple country stations. And that's easy to forget, especially for me living in a big city where like we do have a country station here in LA, but it's, it's not one of the biggest performing stations because we're in LA, but everywhere else, country music is huge. News and talk is the third most top 40 actually is kind of, it's, it's modest. It's like, probably the seventh or eighth most. And I think, again, just because it it has a lot of the big markets in the cities, you're going to find right. top 40, but not always in the middle of nowhere because farmers don't, well, no offense. You're not a farmer, but you live <laughs> on a farm. Farmers probably don't have as big as a, a taste for top 40 music as they as they might country or talk. I, I think probably nowadays it's probably classic rock is more what they listen to. That's probably true. That's <laughs> probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Farmers are, farmers are rocking out to classic rock. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, so here we go. So um, you're one for four. I'm two for four. So mm -hmm. you need me to miss this in order to have a chance to tie me. Yep. Oh, let's do it. 
What was my first job? (laughs) Great question, John. I love this. Camp counselor. Okay. McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Best Buy. Yes. Or system administrator. Wow. So John, you and I were both raised in the, in the church of the brethren. And, Mm -hmm. and as far as I know, you also grew up going to camps. I grew up going to Camp Laverne, um, a place that I'm still, I was a camp counselor at, I'm now a director of, I'm on the board. I would guess you went to what camp Mac. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a brother in camp. I realize that those of you who aren't in this world have no idea what I'm talking about, but (laughs) camp was a big part of my life. And I think a big part of yours, it wouldn't surprise me if you were a camp counselor. I know for me, I was a camp counselor, but I was a volunteer camp counselor. So even though that was my first sort of job experience, I don't consider that my first job. You may have gotten paid for it. Now you also have McDonald's on this list, Best Buy and Systems Administrator. See, now I always just say that you work in tech right now. I I think you might, don't answer this for me. You might be a systems administrator right now. I'm not 100% sure. See, this is how much genius I lack on what you do for a living. I could see you having worked at Best Buy. I don't think you've worked at McDonald's. I'm between Best Buy and Camp Counselor. Oh, gosh. I don't know what to choose. Uh, just because of the nostalgia factor, I'm going to say camp counselor. I'm going to say you got paid to be a camp counselor when you were like 16 or 17 years old. I'm going to lock in camp counselor. Correct. (laughs) But I was 18 and I was actually at a boy scout camp. Oh, wasn't even camp Mac. How funny. Were you a boy scout as a, I'm guessing you, Mm -hmm. did you, did you get Eagle by chance? I don't mean to bring that up as Oh man, yeah, John, yeah. We might have to get into Boy Scouts because someday because I was the I only got second class and I stay second class is like a free you get tenderfoot and then second class. <laughs> I I I did nothing in Boy Scouts and I was in it till I was a senior in high school. My brother got eagle though. Great job, John. That's a huge accomplishment. But yeah, um, you know, I worked at a scout camp. That was my first job. Graduated high school, summer job before college. Cool. Never worked at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Never worked at Best Buy. <laughs> okay. My sister did. Okay. Okay. She worked at Best Buy for a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and systems administrator is not my current job, but okay. that was my first job after graduating from Manchester. Got it. What is a systems administrator exactly? You know, think the IT guy at a company that takes care of the servers and okay. and stuff like that. You t- you're, you're administrating the various systems that are exactly. needed to run your company, the technological yeah. systems. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And right now my, my job title is support specialist. Okay. Got so it. So I, I support our software. Yeah. And you know what? You support me as well because you're just a good <laughs> friend. So you, that's your official job title to me is you're my support. You're my supported administrator. <laughs> well, okay. So it looks like I, I just won this episode. Sorry not to rub that in your face, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, this was, a, this was a close one. So I ended up going three for five. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see if you can be just one behind me at two for five. So this is my personal question. Which of these media slash radio personalities does Kevin take the most influence from? And when I say influence, I mean like as an on-air personality. Um, is it Carson Daly, Ryan Seacrest, Casey Kasem or Howard Stern? I mean, granted, you're a little under two years older than me. Is that Uh, right? You were born in what, 86? Yeah. I was born in 85, so it's one year. February 86 and January 85. Right. So it's just over a year older than me. Yeah, just over a year. Uh huh. So, I mean, growing up, you know, we I I assume we both listened to the radio. Mm -hmm. You know, Carson Daly got his start on MTV, and I think Ryan Seacrest got his start outside of radio as well. I know Casey Kasem, you know, was a huge radio guy for an incredibly long time. Also was the voice of Shaggy. 
Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I mean, Howard Stern was definitely a thing, but I don't know if you were allowed to listen to Howard Stern. I wasn't exactly allowed to listen to (laughs) Howard Stern growing up. So I I guess a question I have is, Mm -hmm. are are these influences from growing up or from, Mm. you know, college and actually working? Maybe this is a better way to answer your question. You tell me. I'll tell you right now, all of these people got their start in radio. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Just so you know. So I would say most of this came from once I actually got on the radio and really started listening with or or remembering like, oh man, yeah, this person, the way they delivered on the air. Yeah. So I would say more once I sort of figured out what it takes to actually be on the air. Okay. And I'll have to admit, I've not actually really listened to you on air in a very long time. I mean, maybe, you know, while you were at Manchester, I did. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm offended, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) of course. I I mean, if you had a station that broadcasted and, you know, I almost just have to take a guess. I get, yeah, you might have to. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you grew up in LA, I think probably gave you aspects of listening to like Carson Daly and Ryan Seacrest more on the radio than I did growing up here in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. because I definitely really only know Carson Daly from TV. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to have to just go with Carson Daly. Carson Daly, you locking it in? Yep. That is correct, John. You got <laughs> it. Carson Daly, which look, I think Carson Daly's reputation is starting to shift a little bit, but I know that because of his time on TRL, there was a lot total, of- Total request live for those of you who have no idea what MTV actually used to be like. Thank you. Yes. This when, was when they actually did music? This was a show that counted down the top 10 voted on songs of the week. Uh, you know, my guess would be that they were just chosen by the producers every week and just said that this was, these are the top 10 most, but uh, that's neither here nor there. And Carson Daly was the host of it and rose to enormous fame every school. I mean, I would come home from middle school every day and oh, yeah. watch, watch him and watch the top 10 songs. John and I off the air were talking about how we were both Limp Biscuit fans back in the day. I mean, Limp Bit, they would play anything for, in the late 90s from Limp Biscuit to Backstreet Boys to Britney Spears to Christina Aguilera to Marilyn Korn, Manson. Marilyn Manson. These were all in the top 10. It was such an interesting interesting time in music in the 90s. In fact, I'm, I shouldn't be plugging other podcasts, but there's a great podcast I'm listening to called uh, The 60 Songs That Define the 90s. And it just really illustrates how obscure the 90s were. But yeah, mm-hmm. Carson Daly would be the guy who would count these down. And he kind of ended up getting a reputation of being sort of like a tool, for lack of a better words, or like just kind of like a prop for MTV. I respect Carson Daly immensely. And I, I, I will admit that part of it is um, my nostalgia for watching TRL and just seeing this sort of everyday guy on television. And then just to backtrack, he he got his start in radio. I, he might've been on a station in Palm Springs. That's where he's from uh, originally, um, which is just outside of LA. But he was mm-hmm. on the world famous K-Rock, which is the first station that I ever worked for, um, working with their morning show, the, the Kevin and Bean show. Carson Daly was, was only on very briefly. I think he had just gotten nights on K-Rock and then MTV swooped him up and moved him to New York and he became a big deal. He went from being a DJ to a VJ. A VJ overnight, basically. Yeah. And was hugely successful at it. Now he's he does a, a great number of things. He's the host of The Voice. He's on the Today Show every day. Now, I also have a personal connection to Carson. So that's where my bias comes from a little bit. He did the morning show on the first station I was ever hired to be on, 97.1 Amp Radio. Uh, which no longer exists. They're now called Now. Um, <laughs> but Carson was the morning show host, and I got my first on-air chance as the overnight guy. So that means I got off work at 6 a.m. 
for my shift and who would come in to replace me, Carson Daly. I wouldn't see him every morning because there was actually an hour gap. And so his producer mm-hmm. would come in first. And Carson was so busy that to be honest, some days he would roll in like one minute before his <laughs> first break and I'd already be on my way home to get to bed. But um, yeah, I have, uh, you know, without trying to sound like a name dropper, like I, I, Carson is not like a good friend of mine. We don't have each other's numbers. I don't, but if he saw me on the street, he'd, he'd say hi to me because we do, we do have that experience. Like we were coworkers and Mm -hmm. it was a real privilege to every day sign out of my shift and say, Carson Daly is next, you know, like considering that I would go home every day and watch him on my TV and then to be able to say Mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm on the same radio station as him was a privilege. And, and I'm drawing this out way more than I meant to, but what I will say (laughs) is that Carson the reason I admire him as a radio person is he is 100% authentically himself. He's very engaging. It's like you're listening to somebody sitting on your couch, just hanging out and talking to you. And that is one of the biggest goals, at least for me and for a lot of radio personalities to come off as like, we're just having a conversation. You're in the room mm-hmm. with me. You know, I realize that sometimes I may, I may come off as like a little announcery. Sometimes I'm an exaggerated version of myself, not only here, but also on my radio show. And you know, that's something I try to work on. I want to sound more like I'm having a casual conversation. So I take a lot of influence from Carson Daly's ability to do that. Yeah, man. So thanks for letting me again, just sort of share a piece of my influence of, uh, of sort of my creative life, if you will. No. Okay. So you got three, I got two. So you, you, are you just one behind now or are we tied? I think I just tied you. I think we both won five episodes now. Okay. Because this is episode 12. 12. Yeah. We've, we've each won five and we've tied two. My goodness. That puts a lot of pressure on next week. This is going to (laughs) be exciting. This is like the Dodgers and Giants going down to the wire. Well, so next week we're not going to be able to. That's right. Say who won or lost because we have a guest. Yes. It's a unique guest in, in, in what we're having them do. Yes, it is. The fact is Kevin and I both love ultimate Frisbee. Mm hmm. Granted, it has been a very long time since I've played, but. Since we both love Ultimate Frisbee, we, we decided we can't just quiz each other on it. Yeah. So we're having a guest come on and we're going to quiz them. Yes. And so we decided that we would pick a guest who is one of our patrons mm-hmm. as, as a nice way to say thank you. We're going to bring him on the air and humiliate him about his lack of genius of Ultimate Frisbee. My very good friend, Greg Nicewander. Has he told you he has no knowledge of Ultimate or? No, he, in fact, he clarified that like, now I have played Ultimate before. So does that make me too, too knowledgeable on the subject? <laughs> and I was like, no, that probably makes you perfect. Like, and, and in fact, I, well, he maybe has played outside him, but I may be the one who introduced him to playing Ultimate Frisbee because he has played with me the future. Because he he currently lives in the Bay Area. He's he I grew up with Greg. Um, he he moved to Chicago. He went to school in Iowa. So if he went to school in Iowa, they, pl- they had to play Ultimate Frisbee there. Oh, we'll, probably. We'll, we'll get into all of this. But yeah, he would come down and visit me and I would have him play in a, a weekly game that I organized. Um, if you don't know Ultimate Frisbee, by the way, it's a fantastic sport. It's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. It's a growing sport. A lot of people um, are like, oh, well, dogs play Frisbee, stupid Frisbee. It is an intensely hard sport to play. A lot of running, a lot of skill. And we'll get more into that next week. But we're excited to sort of teach you about the sport of Ultimate Frisbee if you don't mm-hmm. already know it. Through the help of quizzing Greg, we'll see how he does to give ourselves a break from our competitive nature, our competitive <laughs> back and forth. 
Yeah, I, we'll just have to pick up on the week after on uh, on our competition. Exactly. Yes. Good. Well, uh, it's been nice laboring with you here on this. La- this doesn't feel like work. I'm lo- I'm <laughs> loving doing this with you, John, as I Same. say every week. And this doesn't exist without you listening. So, um, you know, go change out of your white clothes or your or your what was the material called? Seersucker. Seersucker or your Thomas Edison shirt and feel better about yourself. And thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit here. Yep. I hope everyone has a good Labor Day. It's the Lack of Genius Podcast in your ear holes at last they don't know they're martian venus that's why it's the lack of genius podcast